Welcome to the Innovate for Impact podcast. This podcast is for leaders in the social sector like you who want to make a difference. Each episode is packed with practical ideas on how you can be more innovative and create an even bigger social impact. We share our ideas on what you can do and also speak to leaders from the sector to share best practice. So let's get into it and let's talk impact. Hi, and welcome to another episode. Today, what we're going to be talking to you about is how do you bring the voice of people with lived experience and your clients into the way that you work on a day-to-day basis? Why do we want to talk about that? Well, quite often when people think about innovation and they think about person-centered innovation, what they often think of is that they think about projects. So that's a specific problem that they want to solve that has a start date and an end date by the time they want to solve it. And whilst that is a totally okay approach, we work on a lot of projects with organizations. It's not the only way. So we're going to unpack today a few different ways that that can be done so that you are working as an organization that's person-centered, not just running the occasional project that might happen to be person-centered. Yeah, so what we hear quite often is that, as you said, Dan, you know, people feel like they've got to do a a project and quite often they have this idea that that therefore means additional resources and so people, when they don't have that available to them, sort of feel like that consultative approach is kind of, it moves into the nice to have as opposed to being just the way that they work all the time, which is where we see that people get real value from implementing this way of working. Yeah. And I also think as well, the more that we move in that direction of building organizations that are innovative and impactful and that they are person-centered, it really is a long-term capability that we need to start building that capacity for too. It's not. I think a lot of the times at the moment, organizations, when they are solving problems, they're bringing in people like us to help them solve that. And whilst there's obviously nothing wrong with that, we, we love helping and you know we can really help. I think as well, the more and more organizations we speak to, senior leaders are looking at how do we also start building that capability too, so that maybe you only need to bring in project assistance when it's a really big and complex problem that you're not able to solve yourself, not necessarily you know all of the different elements of you know that you need to do to be a person-centered organization. Yeah, it's so much more sustainable, isn't it? If you can build that capability within the people that you've got working with you already, rather than just, you know, bringing people in on the odd occasion when you want to work on something. Because that way, if you're building that capability within your, within your own people, obviously you've, you've got that and it's more accessible all the time, but it also provides them with a, a richer working experience, which then, you know, flows onto your employee experience, helps you retain people. It sort of has all those other the benefits not just the actual outcomes of the work that they're delivering yeah and look with the organizations we speak to they want to be person-centered organizations they don't want to be person-centered organizations only on projects you know they want to they want to set their organization up so that they are always centered on their clients and the people that they, they support so in a you know setting your organization up like that is what we think is going to be what, uh, the, the future. We think all organizations will have this capability. They will have you know certain ways that they're set up and structures set up so that they can continuously um, you know understand what their clients need and also understand you know with what they've got out there at the moment is that actually hitting the mark? And if it's not, they're able to quickly iterate on what they have and fix it so that it is. I just think that's the that's the future. We already know some organizations that are doing this quite well, but 
you know, there's a, there's a big opportunity for a lot more organizations to do it. So that's kind of the why behind it. So, you know, I guess how, do, how can people sort of get started? What are some ideas that we have that we can share with you around uh, how can you build an organization that is on a day-to-day basis person-centered? Well, I think there's a couple of things. So as you said before, it's about the capability. So it's about teaching skills. I think that's a really important piece because these are all learnable skills. So it is about actually providing that training to your people so that they can learn the skills that are involved in being consultative and including the voice of the customer and working on those things as part of their role. But yeah, you've really got to help them to build those skills first, I think. Yeah, capability is a big part and there is so much great training out there that people can get involved in and once your people are empowered and they have those skills, they're able to then just go out and on a day-to-day basis have this toolkit that they can pull from and they can solve problems themselves. Let's say just as an example, everybody in your organization has some level of understanding of co-design or you know, some other sort of innovation process, it means that they're going to start thinking about how do you address certain problems by using that. They're going to be looking out for them. And if they do find an opportunity, they've now got that tool that they can pull out of their toolbox and use. If they don't know how to be person-centered, don't expect them to be person-centered. It can be as blunt yeah. as that, I think. You've got to give these people the tools. If you give them the tools, then it's a conversation around, okay, everybody's equipped, but we're not seeing it. If that is the case, you know, why aren't we seeing it? Maybe people aren't bought into it. Maybe they don't have the time, you know, the resources, but you can address that. But I think it does start with that. Give people the tools as a starting point and training and building people's capabilities is a really good starting point. It's a really good starting point, but um, I think the the next really important piece is the environment. So it's one thing to, to give people the capability so that they can then spot you know, an opportunity to do things differently and they have the skills and the capability to be able to collaborate across the organisation and, and bring that change to life. But I think you've also got to have like the systems and supports and the and the culture to sort of support that way of working. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, you train everybody hypothetically and then there's a bunch of managers going, uh, we don't have time for that. <laughs> like I need you to give me an answer of what we're going to do by tomorrow. We don't have time to engage with clients or the other one that we hear a bit, especially in the health space is there's a big process before we can go and engage with consumers that takes up to three months. We don't have time for this. Good point, Trace. You need to create that environment where, okay, if that is the case, what's that process and and how do we, I don't know, maybe streamline that if that's possible or is there a way as well to be able to, in some cases, like sometimes when we hear things like that, it's it's the case in some situations, but not all situations, and it's applied to all situations, if that makes sense. So maybe it's also about looking at that as a senior team and going, okay, what are the real situations where we, you know, we need to get ethics approval? You know, that's not in all cases of consumer engagement. That's in some cases. And it, so being really clear for people around in what cases you don't and what cases you do might make it empower people to sort of know, okay, it's only in these specific cases that I need to, to follow that, not in all cases. And I think the other thing is that we're often speaking to employees that are dealing with clients every single day. So yes, you, you may need to get some approvals if, if you were looking to go out and seek feedback, but what about the feedback that employees are getting all the time in their interactions with clients? Like, could we start there? Could we, could we give them an opportunity to, you know, collect that information and start working on, you know, what is it that we're hearing from our clients all the time that we're perhaps not using? So yes, there, there are restrictions 
restrictions in place. But I think sometimes, as you said, the restrictions are kind of applied as a, as a blanket approach and we're not really thinking about, well, how, how are the ways that we can get our clients more involved with the way that we already have these things set up? That's a really, really good point. There's so much data that's already probably floating around in your organization. I think that's one of the things that we find whenever we do go in and and help people around being more client-centered and collaborative is that you often, people sort of think we need to go out and we need to get more data. And quite often you find after a little bit of digging and some fresh eyes on some old reports, you've actually got probably a fair bit of data you can get started with to Tracy's point too. And whether that be that quant sort of data, so, you know, maybe you're getting you know, people that are dropping out of certain parts of your service or people that are no longer your clients. You know, there's so many different sorts of areas like with the numbers side of things that can give you a place to start looking. But there's also then like Tracy talked about, there's that qual stuff too, like the stuff that's about, you know, what are, what are the, our customers saying or what are our clients saying? You know, when we speak to them, when they no longer want to be one of our clients or consumers or they want to put in a complaint, what are those top areas there's so much data there and almost every organization has it it just normally is not all connected and that's that can be a good starting point even as an organization is could you give somebody the job of connecting all that data and making sense of it that could then have a whole heap of activity come off the back of that that could help us to um, improve the way that we work with our clients and you know, solve problems better. The other place that we also find that there's quite a lot of data about clients is actually inside the heads of the people who are talking to those clients. You know, they get feedback all the time, but because they don't know what to do with that feedback, they don't know where to put it, they don't know who to tell. So, you know, they might hear all the time, oh, we really love that you do this, but there's nowhere for them to actually capture that information. So the, the organisation's at risk of maybe changing away from something that your clients already really enjoy. You know, sometimes when we talk about feedback, people naturally in their minds go to, oh, well, yeah, well, we've got a, a place that we register complaints. That's great and really important and it's 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 vital that we, we address those and, and we look at ways to improve it. But do you also have a place that you actually collate what it is that your clients really love about the services that you provide? Like does everybody know what's really important? Because there's that risk that you can move away from things and actually create a worse experience just through not understanding what it was that people really liked as well. Are you looking for innovative ways for your organisation to deliver more impact? Take our online assessment and receive a customised report in your inbox that highlights exactly what to do next. It takes only five minutes to fill out and it's completely free. Visit impactoconsulting.com.au slash self-assessment. All right, so yeah, there's this whole idea of getting ideas not just from the people that are not happy, but also the people that are happy. And what I liked about that idea around the people that are happy is that it can also help you understand those moments that truly matter too. So those areas that are real pieces of delight or real pieces of the process for you that you've got to get right every time for your clients. And and by getting some of those areas that people are happy with can sometimes point you in the direction of what those might be. So I think that was a good that was a good call, Trace. I was going to say something else about that too. Different bits of data from around the organization. So yeah, and then what we often talk about too is creating that sort of client-centric continuous improvement process too. So not only are you collecting that, but you need people to listen to that and then and and understand it and understand what people are really saying and then also then act on it. That's the most important thing too, is giving that 
stuff to people to improve, yeah. Yeah, I think when you were saying before that quite often there's pieces of information that have been reported on and then that's it, (laughs) you know. So it gets into a report, but nobody actually takes that next step of like, oh, why did that occur? When does it occur? How often is that? Like, what else do we need to do to to provide a different outcome? You know, and sometimes there's this idea that's kind of like, oh, well, that's not something that's fixable. And so often it is something that's fixable. It's just that, you know, maybe somebody once thought that it wasn't fixable, but, you know, since then the widget that means that that can't be turned has been replaced and and now it is fixable. So it's really important to not just report on these things but actually take action on on those things as you see them and continually revisit that, you know, obviously not every week if, if you find that it's not something that's able to be resolved immediately but, you know, put it in a program and, and check it again in a year's time. Don't just sort of have a set and forget attitude of well this isn't fixable so therefore it will always be an irritant and i think the big thing with any of these processes we're talking about is they're not one-offs or you know we do it once every three months they are regular processes you're creating a system here i think that's one of the most important things that we see works versus what falls over organizations that build this into their and they make it sustainable into their organization are the ones that are able to create a system that just naturally works. They almost create like a machine through like there's either regular meetings that happen regardless of who's able to make it or not. They don't get moved. You know, you have this process that kind of just works by itself and setting up these sorts of structures is what lasts. If you're thinking about, well, you know, once a year we're going to go out and talk to clients, it's really, really hard to keep that going. And, you know, it's better off to build this sort of small, like these micro sort of systems that just sort of keep ticking over and and you keep getting those results on a weekly basis or whatever that might be. The other one I wanted to talk about was building in the mechanism, I guess, or a place that people with lived experience or your clients are able to continuously give feedback and provide input into the decisions that are made at all levels of the organization. So some of the ways that we've seen this is by giving people of those descriptions a role in your organization. So We've seen this done in many different ways. We've seen organizations have positions on their board where they've brought in, let's say, for example, a young person that may be experiencing what their organization is trying to achieve or whatever it is, like whoever their target demographic is of the people they're trying to help, they have somebody with that lived experience on that board. And these organizations, and this very much comes down to good execution. It's not just about making a position. You really need to make sure that you've got, you know, you've given them some sort of training so they know how to contribute around governance and all those things you're going to be talking about. And you as a board look at it too and go, okay, how are we going to sort of make the most of this opportunity too? Because, you know, I've I've been on some boards and uh, I'm not saying they're all like this, but they can be very much stuck in the way that they work. And so it can be sometimes intimidating for somebody else who hasn't been on that board for some time to feel like they can contribute. So I think... If you do set that up well and you have it as a way where these people know what's expected of them, but you also set it up in a way where you as a board are willing to really listen to and value that voice of that lived experience, that can be a really great way of getting regular input at the the highest level of your organisation. You're so right, Dan. It's not just about doing something with a ticker box mentality, like, oh, yes, well, you know, we've done this. It's actually about doing it with the intent of providing the necessary supports and really maximising every opportunity so that you're actually 
encouraging that curiosity like how can we continue to learn more about this and how can we continue to improve rather than that attitude of tick that's done let's put that to one side and concentrate on what we're really here to talk about yeah 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 and look you you really got to do it for a couple of reasons one you want to make sure as an organization you're getting out of it what you intended to get out of it like is it actually serving the purpose that it was built but secondary as well like you also got to value this person's time. Like we've heard stories too where people have been invited, they're really passionate about the cause, they get on the board and then they in a couple of weeks or a couple of months probably because they've been to a few board meetings, they're just like, you know, I'm not feeling like I'm adding value because I can't get, you know, a word in or, you know, I don't really know what's going on, those sorts of challenges. So that's really important. Another way that we've seen this work really well too is by having regular engagement groups. So you could set up like a, a group of people and maybe they meet fortnightly or something like that. And it's a bunch of people with lived experience and your clients and anyone in the organization that's wanting to make a change or do something different is able to go to this group and put their ideas in front of it for feedback. We've seen this done in a sort of face-to-face or online type focus group type situation or even another version of that too can be that sort of email it or somehow use a platform to be able to just give that to them and get people to give feedback in their own time and by a certain date so you get that back so there's a number of different ways you can doing it but you can kind of see like if you have that set up again it's empowering people to be able to make it easy for them to get feedback on their ideas and feedback on any changes that you're wanting to make so that you have that more of a well-rounded consideration before you launch things So I think that's another good way of doing it. Yeah, I think the other really good way that I've seen is also about setting up almost like mentoring groups where you have people within the organisation that have a lot of interactions with clients, mentoring people within the organisation that don't have a lot of interactions with clients and really sharing that information around, you know, what it is that they're hearing, what clients are telling them and building up the client capability of other people across the organisation that perhaps don't have that same level of interaction with clients, which can be really helpful from a cultural perspective as well, because it's great then sometimes for teams that don't have that client interaction to really hear how the work they do actually makes a difference and and creates that impact. Yeah, we did see that in an organisation, didn't we? We saw that it was board members, I think, that were teamed up with frontline workers and they would go out on the job together and they would observe interactions together with clients and they would pull out insights together. And the great thing is that it did build those internal relationships as well. So, you know, the the frontline team members that had the opportunity to mentor, like everybody says, you know, it's both the mentor and the mentee that gets a lot out of those relationships. And we really got to see that brought to life because all of a sudden you can see, wow, I'm hearing a lot of information from clients and this information is really important and it's being used across the organisation. So there you go. We've given you a few different things that you can do there to be able to embed this in your organization and make it easy to co-design and be person-centered just on a day-to-day basis. So just to recap what they were, the first one is give your people the capability, give them some training in one of the innovation type tools that enables them to be able to be person-centered. The second one was all about what information do you currently have around your organization and, and how can you set it up in a way that enables people and makes it easy for them to go out and talk to people and, and understand what they need. And the final one was around how do you embed roles into your organization and and mechanisms that make it easy for people to be able to get feedback on or even have them involved in different levels of decision making 
within what you do on a day-to-day basis. So thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. And yeah, we'll catch you on one of our next videos or podcasts. Cheers. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Innovate for Impact podcast. Any links to what we spoke about today will be posted in the show notes. If you'd like to know more about social innovation, visit our website where we have a heap of tools to help you on your way. Visit impactoconsulting.com.au. Thanks for listening. Now go out there and make an impact.